Welcome to Mental Health Film Comment. This is Brian here with you. The 2018 film, Sorry to Bother You, concerns a telemarketer played by Lakeith Stanfield, who some would say sells out. I don't know if that would be a, a, a strong term to use or not, but many different layers of, of this movie pertaining to mental health. Uh, joining us today is Tamari Richardson, uh, professional motivational speaker and certified mental health advocate. Um, thank you for joining us today, Tamari. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Brian. I appreciate that as well. Thank you. Um, now, um, this podcast is a commentary track format. Uh, for a very simple reason, is you are not alone. I know many people listening today might feel like, oh, well, what do you mean I'm not alone? Of course I'm alone. There's no one here with me. Uh, what I mean by that is when you have someone to watch a movie with, when you have someone to go to a movie with, movie watching becomes a social activity. However, when you do not have someone to watch a movie with, when you don't have someone to go to the movies with, then watching a movie becomes a solitary activity, a solo activity. And so I'm here with you, uh, Tamari is, is with you, and we will watch the movie with you. It might not be the whole movie, it'll probably be a part of it, but we will be on the other side of the pause button if you would like to listen to this podcast while you're watching the movie. Now, I, I did want to briefly mention a um, couple uh, resources for your um, reference. There's a crisis text line in the US. You can text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741. If you are in the UK, you can text SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, to 85258. Um, so, so Tamari, um, thank you for, for being here today. I, I, I appreciate it. Now, the um, sorry to, to bother you. It, it, I was surprised, well, not terribly surprised, but surprised nonetheless that it did show up on a couple mental health um, movies to watch lists. And I was, it's a movie that, I, that I'm familiar with. Now, I, I, I tend not to lend too much attention on the podcast to movies that I like because a nobody really cares and b it, it's got to detract from the from the goal you know you know promoting mental health um, you know awareness and education um, but were, were, were you were you surprised to see that on, on a mental health list like a movies to watch for mental health you know uh, probably not so much kind of uh, initially reading the synopsis of the movie and uh, the mental trauma that different situations and circumstances can cause individuals to be under the stress, the strain, the anxiety. So I can understand how it might particularly be on the list. And, and being that it's uh, the main character is a person of color. So I can, I can understand that as well. Correct. Now, the, and the storyline for those who may be watching is he's, uh, our, our main character who we're watching, he's got um, a string of bad luck. You could say there's a humorous moment where his uh, landlord, and I think that's uh, Terry Crews, I want to say, uh, is, is bugging him for the uh, rent money. <laughs> and it's, so that kind of a uh, storyline as the movie begins and as the story progresses, it almost becomes a, a story of him selling out in a way and what, you know, what's to gain 
what what's to be gained by him selling out and and, and some spoilers that that I won't get into but um that's the the gist of the of the of the storyline now um you had alluded to this j just a moment ago but uh with uh mental health um the the discussion around mental health as far as the, the the treatment of mental health and and whatnot um there has been more notice um in the last several months as far as when it's in communities of, of color and people of color and it it being different than what's what's normally um acknowledged and i was wondering could, could you um, speak to, speak to that absolutely well just kind of taking the movie first and then kind of uh, jumping over to uh, the few months ago. You know, let's look at the disproportionate incomes of people of color, the men and the women, as opposed to our counterparts that are Caucasian and um, other nationalities. So when you have the gentleman who's struggling to pay his rent, not knowing if there's pre-existing mental illnesses. So now you have anxiety that comes in, there's potential depression. And so that will cause you to make maybe career choices or life choices that you would under other circumstances not do because you cannot deal with the overload of emotion and uh, impact that that's having on you. So I certainly can understand that. Now, going into a couple of months and navigating life as a person of color doesn't mean that everyone doesn't have issues, but when you are um, a person of color, specifically a black American, and you live in a glass bubble, that you feel that you're always being watched, you're always on guard, you're always under the telescope, that will have you uh, showing signs of PTSD. That will have you having um, paranoia because not that that's necessarily a place that you put yourself in, but that is a place that society has put you in and has been comfortable keeping you in that place, even though you've been trying to claw out of it. So um, I think the last you know, few months or so since the uh, murder of George Floyd has brought it all to a head, but a lot of times it's important that things come to a head so that everyone can really see this is what has been going on. I didn't know, I didn't recognize. Correct, and and I and I, I, I alluded to this before, um, you know, before we turned on the mic, <laughs> but I have been frustrated for a very very long time, and some of that that frustration pertains to the state of mental health in the country as well as to different um, mental health organizations. So. Um, and again, I, so I do apologize if any of that frustration um, came out when I was reaching out to you um, for, for, for the podcast. Um, I did want to mention with what you had um, alluded to is this podcast is being recorded the week that there was a congressional bill which passed for the suicide, the nationwide suicide number. And let me ask outright, am I being a jerk if I'm skeptical of that number? Because part of me looks at the fine print of the legislation and wonders if it will inevitably, and this is going to be, I believe, in 2021 or 2022, for those who may be listening. So even though it's this news may no longer be new news when, when you're hearing this podcast, it the, t the timeline of this, I understand, would be in two years' time. Uh, my understanding, though, is that it could potentially become a dial-a-cop number where people call the cops on themselves. So 
Am I a jerk for having a reservation like that in regards to this new hotline number? Well, I mean, let's look at it. If you are aware enough to know that you need help, mm -hmm. you should not be calling law enforcement. Mm -hmm. They are not trained to deal with mental illness, which is why we are running into the barrage of issues that we're running into in the United States alone. And it's of no fault of their own, let's be clear. <laughs> Correct. They were not Correct. trained to deal with mental health. There needs to be an appropriate system in place. So one, the police don't have to accept the responsibility of being responsible when they don't know if you have a mental illness or if you're a risk to them. Because at the end of the day, they do want to get home to their family. I respect that. But if you're someone with a mental illness and I cannot communicate to the officer that something is wrong or I don't feel like I did yesterday, well, maybe he's not going to wait for that explanation and he's going to start shooting. I don't think that's the way to do it. But I don't think anyone does, and in humans, and in hu the, the natural human way, we do things that we don't think it out until it goes terribly wrong. There needs to be something in place where there are social, social workers, people trained to come with the police to see if there is, in fact, a mental health issue or a danger to the community, because they're not equipped to, and that should not be a responsibility that's on their shoulder as well, too many people are dying and they don't know and Correct. so that's not acceptable so you know listen I, I hope they alter that and each police department creates something and take someone out with them mm -hmm. I, I just don't know if that's a great idea mm -hmm. not in this climate okay but so are you optimistic then in some regard that in in the two years time that this is going to be implemented that there that, that there could be some changes that will be assigned to that new number? Well, we need them now. Okay, correct, correct. So I, I don't know why we would wait to lose more people, um, but I do understand that politics is riddled with red tape and there's a lot of different things that go with that and, and things that I don't know that's above my pay grade. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully something will be in place, but we really don't have two years to continue losing people. I think that's something that needs to be implemented now. Oh, c correct, and and that's something when, when I did, learn about the the legislation that was one of the things that really jumped out at me was really it's going to be it's going to be two years because if on one hand there's conversation about just as an, as an example um the 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 covid vaccine that's being pushed for you know under a month depending upon when you know when the, the person saying it is why did why can that be afforded urgency, which obviously it is urgent, but and yet something for suicide prevention is is pushed to the back burner for two years' time. Right. That's something that it's hard to reconcile the two. Right. Well, I think people also, um, let's keep in mind, are not really still acknowledging mental illness as a mental illness. Correct. And I think a lot of times they think, oh, this person is just playing, oh, they can come out of this, or they're just <laughs> acting that way, not understanding that there are different mental illnesses that when the brain shifts or the mind is not balanced, that person could think they're Superman. And that's of no fault of their own. That's Correct. how the brain operates. And Correct. until people care enough to research, realize it, and understand that, we're always going to have this half-hearted approach to mental illness like it's real, but it's not real, kind of. Right. Now, um, for those who might be watching the movie while you're listening to the podcast, there's a, a, a running 
I don't say a running gag necessarily, but sort of a running gag as far as uh, a, a fake TV show and, and some of the the, the, the media commentary. Um, and, and in that regard, I, I did want to ask you, um, as far as news events going on, as far as stuff that might be not the most accurate depictions that are on TV shows or in movies, which ideally was one of the points, you know, why I wanted to set up the podcast to, to correct. But um, that's something that inevitably will affect someone's well-being if, the, if they're around that. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's any situation where you are negatively or incorrectly being portrayed as anything or anyone that is not true. Of course, that can mess with your psyche. Always having to defend, explain yourself, correct someone, uh, to not be villainized, to be humanized. Absolutely. And after a while, that could run you down. That could, or it can make you start to believe what that person or those people think about you it's really your your mindset so absolutely correct and and and, and granted for those who might be watching the, the 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 fake tv shows in the movie are are admittedly intended to be humorous and funny however in in real life obviously it's it's not so funny because these are real people. These are real lives <laughs> that are um, affected. So that is something that, um, and, and, and even with a lot of the, 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 the craziness that has gone on, you know, whether it's in, you know, in Rochester, whether it's in, you know, you know pick a city. <laughs> and, and that's got to have an effect on, on, on this. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's something where it's, where we're when you remove it from the media and it goes to a lived experience yeah. it's a whole different experience absolutely well television is television it's intended to sensationalize and and over dramatize certain situations or under dramatize depending on what the intent is yes. but when you're living real life with the mental illness and uh, you're not a character on television trying to act out what those uh, what those feelings those emotions could be you're living it and you don't and guess what in an hour you're not healed in 30 minutes, you're not, it's Correct. not a, a, oh, I'm better. Yeah, yeah. You're living, recovering for the rest of your life with whatever that mental illness is. And, and uh, you know, behind the cameras, doesn't, it doesn't show that. So. Right. Well, what was, um, what, what, what facilitated your journey on the, you know, in, into mental health? What was, what prompted you to, to get involved? Well, like everyone else, I knew nothing about mental health. I had no interest in mental health. It, it just wasn't on my radar. Yeah. I ended up getting married to someone in 2014 who I did not know had a drug problem. Yes. And then a few months later, uh, between two to four months later, he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. And uh, his behavior was violent, aggressive. There was domestic violence. There was violence. There was a lot of law enforcement involvement. And uh, it wasn't to the end when uh, I was getting out of the marriage, out of the situation, that I needed to really train myself on what had happened. That was going to be the steps to help me understand, help myself, because I had gained from that marriage anxiety, PTSD, and depression. So I needed to figure out how this happened to me, 
what I just dealt with and how could someone do the things that he did. So mm-hmm. it got me into not only therapy, but I thought I started training and uh, getting educated on what various different mental illnesses were and why it's important that we all know that this is everyday living for someone and why, how we can combat that. So that's what initially got me involved. Okay, cool. Now, um, one thing I did, and this would be another, am I a jerk type of question. (laughs) Um, um, I am not a fan of like suicide prevention month or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Reason being is obviously I want to believe that every day is suicide prevention day and every week is suicide prevention week and every month is, you know, so am I a jerk if I'm critical of those designations or, you know, (laughs) or do you think um, that, you know, it's something where I can just, you know, chill for, you know, a day and just allow them that day? Because my concern is that, yes, it, it becomes a day where everyone is aware of it, but then the next day or the next month, no one talks about it anymore. So that's, that's my concern with well, it. Well, let me say it like this. February is Black History Month. Mm-hmm. I am a Black American. Mm-hmm. But I, I recognize, acknowledge, accept, and celebrate my Blackness every day of the month, mm-hmm. of every month. I don't require you to. That's yeah. my job to do that. So I think Suicide Prevention Month is like anything. Mm-hmm. There is a month where it is honed in on it's celebrated as far as helping people getting the word out there getting people interested and it's a dedicated month Mm -hmm. i think people's attention span would not allow it to be every day Mm -hmm. but i think it gets people enough involved to know if you know people you have people in your life and you love them this is the month but make that your every day okay that that makes sense I, i i can see that um, now your um, your work in mental health brought you to uh, testimony, you know, t- testifying before. Was that l- local representative? It was um, before the Senate in Sacramento, as yeah. well as the um, local board of supervisors as well. How did that process work? Did did you reach out to the the? Was there a legislate? Was like how how did that process work? Did 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 you have to schedule it in advance, or was it by the hearing date or how, how did that process play out? No, I kicked down the doors. I, okay. didn't, I didn't do what I need to do. Okay. No, um, well, what would, briefly, um, my ex-husband now went into a facility and the case manager at the facility who was HIV positive started okay. having unprotected sex with him at the facility. Oh. When I found that out, it's the most heinous and I think disgusting thing that you can do. Take away from the fact that he's a married man. Obviously, that meant nothing to her. But the fact that she was HIV positive and knew he had mental illness and didn't even think enough to protect herself, that was it. But the the audacity. What I knew I needed to do, I had reached out to the organization to let them know, and they had absolutely cared really nothing about it. And so I think they thought because my ex-husband had mental problems that I was like-minded with him i was not so what i did was i knew i needed to get involved with people who were higher up because the ones down below weren't interested so i went down to sacramento i went on actually mental health advocacy day with nami i'm a presenter and speaker with nami Mm -hmm. 
I went down, spoke to several senators about it. I also uh, went before the uh, Solano County Board of Supervisors and um, requested that they stop funding that facility due to what was going on at that facility and all the staff knew she was having sex with my then husband and no one stopped it or attempted. So what I understood from that situation is, is I can't wait for you to help me because my goal was to make sure she doesn't violate anyone else's husband, sister, cousin, father, daughter, son, and I couldn't wait for them to do it. So I took matters into my own hands and I knocked on doors myself and I got in, in front of the board of supervisors and uh, in front of the Senate. Cool. Definitely. So, um, and, and that, and that sense of urgency and immediacy is that's something that I, I wish I could see more of. Right. I, I really do. Right. I, I really do because there's often, um, you know, the awareness of, of something that, that that's not right. Um, something that needs to be corrected and it often just goes at a snail's pace. Yeah, it, it does. And, um, to keep in mind, one of the reasons why I was so uh, tenacious about it, mm -hmm. I understood at that point my marriage was over because yes. one of the rules that we have is that we didn't do infidelity. Mm -hmm. So at yes. that point, there was no conversation. I, I was no longer concerned about the mental illness or the drug addiction. We were done at that point. Yes. But what I understood if someone, this woman, who was supposedly a church-going woman, would be so brazen to do this with him, who else has she done it with? Yeah. Who else at that facility is violating mentally ill people? Yeah. So I didn't have the time or the luxury to write a nice letter or, well, could you please or would you please? If you don't do something about this facility, I'm going to make the biggest stink in history known to man. And this was not about having my husband back. I was done with that. Yeah. I yeah. needed to make sure this happened to no one else. True. True, and um, so I, I am. Um, like I said, again, I, I'm I'm glad you're um, able to, to talk with us today. I, I appreciate it. And Absolutely. you had mentioned um, NAMI, and that's National Alliance on that's National Alliance on Mental Illness, correct? Yes, correct. And um, now I am familiar with NAMI, but for those who might not be, they're one of the major advoc advocacy groups in the US, is, is that is that correct? Very correct, yes. Okay, and they have, I know they do a lot of ad advocacy work, uh, working with you know, legislatures to, um, so both a public policy aspect as well as, you know, an adv advocacy part of that as well. Right. Is that, is that okay? Um, cool. Now, when there's, and, and in, the, in the course of doing the podcast, I, I've come across, uh, criticisms, uh, and I'll, I'll say that as generally as possible. And, and I'm, and I'm, I'm going to openly discount the criticisms of it. You know, not, not a specific, substantiated criticism, but something where there's a, a specific, um, um, you know, critique, as it were, of, of, of their of their processes or or their uh, handling uh, of a matter. Not NAMI in and of itself, because I don't I don't think you know, criticizing NAMI in and of itself is, is you know, necessarily a helpful thing to do. Um, but do you think as far as some of the criticisms 
you know, as far as how NAMI may be handling or not handling something, do you think those criticisms are, are um, you know, fair or, or merited in any way or? Um, well, one, I, I'm not sure what the criticisms are. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I can say in a general statement is that no one, no organization can be all things for all people. We will always have, someone will always have an issue with something. NAMI doesn't purport to be the best. It purports to have access, give you support, and give you resources. It doesn't purport to have the best people, to have wings. It's a resource organization that understands that the mental health community has been underserved and that a lot of people don't know the resources. Since um, just specifically um, the heightened in America with the protests and the Black Lives Matter movement and all those different things. What I thought was so brilliant about NAMI and made me very proud of NAMI is that they looked at, they had a program for African-American families, but they had the courage to look at their program and say, but are we doing enough? Are we making sure that this demographic of people have representation in our organization? Mm -hmm. So on Fridays at 6.30 uh, p.m. Pacific Standard Time, I co-host a Black Minds Matter support group cool. where black folks are able to come and, and be able to talk about what's going on, their feelings, helping them navigate it. That's the kind of organization I want to be a part of. One that doesn't say we're perfect and we're fine and we don't need to change, mm -hmm. but if there's a change that needs to happen, let us know. If, if we somehow are missing the mark, let us know. And I think yeah. that's what NAMI is evolving and changing. But they will never be everything for everyone because mm -hmm. someone will always have an issue with something. But what I think that they're doing it pretty good for the majority of everyone. And hopefully everyone can get some type of support from NAMI. I think it's an amazing organization that I'm proud to represent and be a part Definitely. of. Definitely. How, how would people find out more about that, 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 um, that, that chat that's available? About say that again. I apologize. Oh, how, how would people find out more about that that um, program that would be available? Um, so, well, they can go to nami.org. Okay. Um, as well as uh, they can also uh, hop up on my website page, uh, com. Mm -hmm. I often have information. Um, Black Minds Matter information is there as well as on my Facebook page. But if they go to nami.org. They will be able, they can in a search just type African American, but it's usually right there on the faceplate. Yes. And look up groups um, that are going, there's support groups, there's family groups, there's peer to peer groups that are going to be able to support them. And it's for a, a variety of cultures. So it, they have the resources. Okay, cool. Cool. Good deal. Um, I, I, as, we, as we wind down, I did want to mention um, NAMI, like I said, the. Um, NAMI.org. And my understanding is that there are different affiliates that have their own, you know, individual websites. So NAMI.org would, would be um, a good, good place to look. Definitely. There's, um, now there's Mental Health America, MHANational.org is, is another one. Are there any other um, resources that, that, um, that, that you'd like to mention that I, I may, may not have mentioned? Absolutely. There's also um, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. It's S A M H A. Excuse me. S A M H S A. dot gov. Um, they also are a resource for mental health as well as substance abuse. Because uh, a lot of times you'll find that individuals with mental health 
uh, sometimes uh, have substance abuse or start to abuse substances. So they kind of go hand in hand as a dual. So. Okay, good deal. And that's just to confirm SAMHSA.gov. Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, absolutely. Okay, yeah. good deal. Good deal. Well, um, I do thank you for, um, for joining us today. I appreciate it. And, um, and thank you for, for those listening at home or at work or driving. Well, hopefully, hopefully if you're driving, you, you know, you'll be, um, yeah. So uh, stay safe, everyone, and um, talk with you next time. Um, you. Take care.